prayer for us and uh, for anything. Uh, he is the Lord of all. He can do all. He created all. And it's all in His hands. I'm glad tonight that uh, I'm not in my own hands, that I'm in His. Uh, I would mess it up. <laughs> uh, well, this morning we were in the book of uh, Judges, and tonight I want you to go back just a little bit and look in the book of Joshua. Joshua chapter 7, be taking our text from tonight. Joshua chapter 7. Uh, I would like to say it is an honor and privilege to be here again tonight. Thankful for you allowing me to come up and preach. And uh, still praying for Brother Jonathan and his family is there on vacation. And uh, just glad about that. Can't wait to see him. We've not been out in a long time. We, uh, we try to go out and eat and get together a few times a year anyway. But uh, it's been a while. He's, he's works too much. Uh, <laughs> but Joshua chapter 7, if you have your copy of God's Word, if you'd please turn there. And if you're able to stand, would you please stand for the reading of God's Word tonight? Joshua chapter 7, and we're going to look at verses 1 through 5. And here the Bible says, But the children of Israel committed a trespass in the accursed thing for Achan, the son of Carmi, the son of Zabdi, the son of Zerah, of the tribe of Judah, took of the accursed thing. And the anger of the Lord was kindled against the children of Israel. And Joshua sent men from Jericho to Ai, which is beside Bethhaven, on the east side of Bethel. And spake unto them, saying, Go up and view the country. And the men went up and viewed Ai. And they returned to Joshua and said unto him, Let not all the people go up, but let about two or three thousand men go up and smite Ai. And make not all the people to labor thither, for they are but few. So there went up, they, uh, there went up thither of the people about three thousand men, and they fled before the men of Ai. And the men of Ai smote them about thirty and six men, for they chased them from before the gate, even unto Sherebim, and smote them in the going down, wherefore the hearts of the people melted and became as water. Our Heavenly Father, God, we're uh, so thankful tonight for this, this church, for these people. God, most of all, we're thankful for your precious and holy word. Thank you for the reading of it tonight. I pray, Lord, that you'll just bless us with it. God, not, not with me, but Lord, what you will do for us and through us. And God will give you the, the praise and honor and glory for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You can be seated. Well, with the help of the Lord, I'd like to preach just for a few minutes here on a message. I've titled, Three Consequences of Sin. Three Consequences of Sin. Uh, let's first examine from the scripture where we are at this point. We all know the story, I'm sure. You're familiar with the story that led up to this, Joshua had become the leader of the children of Israel after Moses passed away, as God took him there on, on that mountain, as he only got to look into the promised land, didn't get to go uh, because of his disobedience. And that right there should tell you something. <laughs> if a man like Moses that God would not allow to go into the promised land. Uh, but Joshua took over as leader and one of the biggest battles or one of the biggest uh, places they had a defeat to take over the promised land was Jericho. And it was filled full of a lot of people. It's a very large city, huge city, surrounded by 25 feet walls. And we know what God told them to do. Uh, they had to go around there and march around that thing, what was it, uh, 13 times or so? Uh, six, uh, once every, for six days, one time, and then the seventh day, uh, seven times around that the city, those walls, and then give a shout, and those walls fell. Uh, what a, a miracle that the Lord uh, performed on that day. Uh, and after they did that, um, 
the, everybody was destroyed in that city except for Rahab the harlot and her family, which she had uh, protected uh, the children of Israel when they came and spied out the land. And so they were left alive, but everyone else was defeated. We call it the Battle of Jericho. Uh, doesn't look like much battle took place. Those walls came down, and boy, it just the, the Lord just took over. <laughs> Uh, if you go back to Joshua chapter 6, verses 17 through 19, we see what God commands that they keep themselves from, and he calls it the accursed things. Uh, there in Jericho, there was a lot of accursed things. And he said, any silver, any gold, any brass, any iron are to be taken and putting, put into the Lord's treasury. Uh, and they're not to keep anything for themselves, not to take of the accursed things. And so he tells them if they don't do as he says, that they themselves will become accursed. Look at it, Joshua chapter 6, verse 17. The Bible says, And the city shall be accursed, even it, and all that are therein to the Lord. Only Rahab the harlot shall live, she and all that are with her in the house, because she hid the messengers that we sent. And ye, in any wise, keep yourselves from the accursed thing lest you make yourselves accursed when you take of the accursed thing and make the camp of Israel a curse and trouble it. But all the silver and gold and vessels and brass and iron are consecrated unto the Lord. They shall come into the treasury of the Lord. Now, flash forward to the end of that chapter, verse 27, the Bible says, So the Lord was with Joshua and his fame was noised throughout all the country. And uh, like this morning we said, and they all lived happily ever after. And unfortunately, that's not so. Uh, Joshua had no idea what had happened during that, uh, that time. Pay attention to the first verse of chapter 7 there in verse 1. But the who children of Israel committed a trespass. It didn't say just one person right there. It said the children of Israel committed a trespass and the accursed thing for Achan the son of Carmi, the son of Zabdi, the son of Zerah, of the tribe of Judah, took of the accursed thing, and the anger of the Lord was kindled against who? The children of Israel. It didn't say it was only kindled against Achan. It said the children of Israel. Now that's going to tell us something right there. Uh, it wasn't simply the sins of one man uh, that, it, that, it, that all the things occurred to, but the repercussions of his sin. It wasn't just upon him. You see, Joshua had just enjoyed this victorious battle by defeating Jericho. Uh, I mean, that was something in, in itself. It's one of the largest cities in all of Canaan. And so with great confidence, they decided they'd just go up to Ai because it's not nearly as big. And they just come off this great victory and they thought, well, we'll just go up there and whoop them and have that over with. And they did not even consult the Lord in this. They just said, no, let's go do it. And then somebody said, now, don't make everybody go. They're just a little, little bit bunch of them up there. We'll take care of it. Let everybody take a rest, and we'll come back. After we whooped them, we'll be back down here. He said, all right, go on up there. And we, all re we read what happened. Their hearts of the people melted. They were chased out of there. And a bunch of them lost their lives because of it. Well, Joshua didn't know that that accursed thing had been taken by Achan at this point. He didn't know it. So consequence number one of our sin, it can incite God's wrath and judgment. It can incite God's wrath and judgment. God told them if they did not keep themselves from that accursed thing, that they would become accursed themselves. That word accursed right there, it means to be set up for destruction. 
to be set up for destruction. And you know God is a loving God. He is. He's a loving God. His love is pure. It's holy. It's absolute. But too many people want to bask around in the, the splendor of His love and talk about His love this and His love that, love here and love there. But they forget the part about His anger. The part that incites His wrath and anger when we become disobedient to Him. We don't want to hear the word disobedient, Brother Byron. Let's, let's not talk about that. Let's talk about His love a little bit more. Let's talk about his wrath just a little bit. You know, today you hear such things, if, if you really love me, you do this or you do that. You know, want to put, put stipulations on love. Man does that. You know, if, if you really, uh, a young man may come up to a, a young girl and say, if you really love me, you would do everything I want you to do. Yeah, if you really love me. And try to talk her into doing all these ungodly things. Uh, how about this? If you really love me, you'd be happy for this homosexual re relationship that I'm in. If you really love me. Applying pressure on someone to go against their moral beliefs. If you really love me, you'd go against all that and support me. You see, people have somehow twisted things around so much that if you oppose them, they believe that you're against them. If you oppose their lifestyle, oppose what they think's right, and you oppose it because God's Word says it's wrong, then they think you hate them, that you're coming against them personally. And, you know, uh, they call us hate mongers. If a Christian says one thing against uh, one of those lifestyles, they call us hate mongers. I thought you were Christian. What do you mean you don't support this? I thought you were Christian. Isn't Christians supposed to love everybody? You see, what they're not understanding is it's not the love for the person that's not there. It's the hate of the sin that they're in, and we're not going to support that. We're not going to stand up and say, okay, I'm fine with that. No, we're not. What God says is wrong, we say is wrong. And so they call us hypocrites and all those other hateful words. We saw a lot of that happening when the Supreme Court made the decision that two men could marry each other, two women could marry each other. And so we heard all these people that supported that saying that we were hate mongers. Christians hated people, and uh, they're not really Christians. There is a big difference in hating someone and hating the sin they're involved in. There really is. Uh, these folks like this are so entrenched in their sins, they become blinded. They cannot see the truth. They don't understand or see true love. They can't. They're in darkness. It's like a child wanting to play in a fire. Fire's beautiful. A fire looks like something, man, I want to have something to do with that. You get a little kid around a campfire, what are they going to do? They're going to go running right at it. What are you going to do? Oh, you really ought not do that. You know, I don't think that's the best thing for you, but I support you. If, if you want to jump in that fire, I support you. Is that love? No, love is going and grabbing that little hand and yanking them around and smacking that hind end so you get away from that fire. That fire's going to kill you. That fire's hot. That's love, friends. I used to know somebody that never whipped their kids. I love them too much. I'd never whip them. I can't do that. Friends, if you love them, just like the Lord does, He chastens us when we're in the wrong. That's love. That's love. And so, look, uh, you love, we love people, but we're not going to love something that's contrary to what God says is, is, is right or wrong. And so people say, you hate me because you won't let me do what I want to do. And that's just the bare facts of it. 
Well, the Bible says in Romans 1, 18 and 19, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. Because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has showed it unto them. Now that right there, my friends, ought to be a wake-up call to us. People know they're in the wrong. They are, they're pretending that they're not. They want to force these different lifestyles and these different sinful things that they enjoy to do. And they want to force it on everyone else and make it accepted. But they know deep down in their hearts, God's revealed to them it's wrong. It's sinful. But they're going to kick against that. Look, friends, God doesn't hate you. But you better believe he hates sin. And so, yes, God is a God of love, but he loves you so much he don't want you uh, to be involved in, in sin. So when he says, don't do this, or don't do that, or this is going to happen, you better believe he means what he says, and he says what he means. When we sin, we can incite God's wrath and judgment. And trust me, you don't want to be on God's wrathful side that's the last place you want to be. Uh, the, the, the second consequence of our sin that we find in this text is that it causes us to lose God's favor and protection. Did you notice that? These, they were protected by God all of this time. Every time he told them to do something, they obeyed his command. He protected them. He watched over them. He made sure they were taken care of. Everything went just, just as expected. All that business there with Jericho, they did everything down to the very letter, the very T, obeyed God, and it worked out just exactly the way he said it would. And what happened when they went to Ai? They, they never asked God's permission. He never told them to go up and take this city. He didn't tell them to, to divide up the army and do all these things. What happened? He said, well, they took the accursed thing. And they've not obeyed me. And what did he do? He took his hands of protection off of them. What, what was the result? Well, their hearts melted. The, the, it says that about 36 men were smote by the men of Ai. If they had been obedient to God, if they'd not done things contrary to what God said to do, then God would have watched over them. So we can lose God's favor and protection. Look there in, in chapter or verse 6 of chapter 7. It says, and Joshua rent his clothes. This is after the defeat there at Ai, when he ran off and smoked the 36. And Joshua rent his clothes and fell to the earth upon his face before the ark of the Lord until the eventide. He and the elders of Israel and put dust upon their heads. And Joshua said, Alas, O Lord God, wherefore hast thou at all brought this people over Jordan to deliver us into the hands of the Amorites to destroy us? Would to God we'd been content and dwelled on the other side of Jordan. Man, I'm right here, Joshua. I'm sorry, but that just it disappoints me when I see these words out of Joshua's mouth. Now, he doesn't know yet about the accursed thing being taken. Uh, so we'll, we'll give him a break about that. But boy, Joshua's always been just the rock. He's been the one that we could rely upon and, and count upon. He was always there. He obeyed every command God made. Every time Moses said to do something, Joshua's right there. Joshua led them, them children out of Israel, or, or uh, the children of Israel. He led them through all this and through all the battles. He was the captain there of the army. And here he is just, uh, he's, he's turned into uh, blubber. I mean, he's like, oh, Lord, God, what you brought on, this, on us. 
We should have stayed on the other side of the door and we never should have come here. It's just disappointing. But look what happens. Verse 8. O Lord, what shall I say when Israel turneth their backs before their enemies? For the Canaanites and all the inhabitants of the land shall hear of it and shall environ us around and cut off our name from the earth. And what wilt thou do unto thy great name? So here he keeps on. He's nice. He's kind of pushing it over on God. It's God's fault. God, you've caused this. You've the one that got us defeated. Now what's everybody going to say about you now that you've done this? <laughs> Verse 10. And the Lord said unto Joshua, Get thee up. Wherefore liest thou thus upon thy face? Uh, looks like the Lord's a little disappointed in him as well. And he tells him, You get yourself up off that ground. And you listen to me. Verse 11. Israel has sinned. Uh-oh. Israel sinned. Thought it was just one guy. Thought it was just Achan. No, Israel has sinned. And they have also they have also transgressed my covenant, which I commanded them, for they have even taken of the accursed thing, and have also stolen and disassembled also. And they have put it even among their own stuff. Therefore the children of Israel could not stand before their enemies, but turned their backs before their enemies, because they were accursed. And look at this, neither will I be with you anymore, except you destroy the accursed from among you. Up, sanctify the people and say, sanctify yourselves against tomorrow. For thus saith the Lord God of Israel, there is an accursed thing in the midst of thee. O Israel, thou canst not stand before thine enemies until you take away the accursed thing from among you. Look, what you need to understand here is that because of the sin that Achan committed, it caused God to immediately withdraw his favor and his protection off the children of Israel. I mean, it was immediate. They're unable to make correct discernment. Uh, they become careless. Uh, they, it looks like they've completely forgotten about God. And instead of waiting, consulting with the Lord, they strike out on their own and, and getting whooped by the enemy. All through history, the children of Israel has been protected by God. I mean, we read it uh, right out of uh, Egypt's bondage. Here they come. And God's watching over them, parting the sea and, and everything else. Exodus 13, 21 through 22 says, And the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of a cloud to lead them the way, and by night a pillar of fire to give them light, to go by day and night. He took not away the pillar of the cloud by day, nor the pillar of fire by night from before the people. So God was... Always watching over him. He fed a manna there in the wilderness. He, uh, um, Moses could strike a rock and bring water. I mean, there was so many things that God watched over and protected them. We're able to defeat large armies and cities. But we also read all through the Bible, time after time, God's people would stray. They would become disobedient. They would bow down to false gods and false idols and worship them. Despite the fact that he protected them. He fed them. He blessed them. He promised them more blessings. They turned their backs on him and become disobedient. Despite all that. Look, there comes a, a point that you can push God away so much that he will withdraw that protection over you like we see here in, the, in this case. Now, listen, don't be confused and think that I'm saying if you're saved, he's going to withdraw his grace and mercy. No, 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 no. If you've been saved, you're saved. You're saved eternally. But what I'm saying here is God's favor. We get out of God's 
protection. We get out of his fellowship. That's, that's really the term that I'm looking for. We can get out of God's fellowship and we'll find that suddenly we're out in the world and it seems like we're outside of God's protection. And we'll do things that we know is not right and God allows us to do them. Now, we're going to see before we end what we're going to do about it once we do those things. So God's protection uh, has been withdrawn from the children of Israel. He's allowed Ai to defeat them. And uh, listen, God allowed his children to go into captivity. And so, listen, he is above everything, above everything in your life, more than how you, you teach or preach or sing or, or your church attendance or whatever it is, above everything in your life, God expects your obedience. He wants that from you more than anything. If you're a Christian, he wants your obedience above everything. And so, listen, if God's willing to allow his covenant people to go under such uh, accursed things, he, he said they were accursed, then you better believe that our sin can cause us to lose his favor and his protection. The third consequence of our sin, as we see in this text, it can bring trouble to our family, our church, ourselves, our friends, our neighbors, everyone that we're in contact with. Everyone that you know, everyone that you deal with, your sin has repercussions on them. And people today will say, well, you know, what I do only affects me. That sin that I like to enjoy, you know, that's that sin that so easily besets people, that's only my sin. It doesn't affect anyone else. No one else is involved in it. And so as long as it's just me and nobody else, then everything's fine. That's not true. That's not true. Your sin not only affects you, it affects everyone around you. It's like dominoes. I, I have never played the game of dominoes the way you're supposed to. I don't know how. All we ever did was stack them up and knock them down. But you all know what it's like with dominoes. You get those things out and you line them up and you, you, you make them wind around and go up and down and everything else. I never was real good at all that. We just put them in a straight line on the kitchen table. But uh, you get that first one and knock it over and all the way down the table, every one of them falls. Friends, your sin is just like that. All it takes is for one sin and the pieces start to fall like an avalanche. And it will destroy your family. It will destroy your friends. It will destroy your job, your coworkers, everybody around you. Your sin will destroy and, and it will contaminate them. Joshua here, he's become lax. The army scouts had become confident. A bad decision was made and the cursed thing was taken. And what happened? Lies were lost. The whole nation of Israel, the whole children of Israel had become accursed by God. And look, you may think that you're getting by with your sin right now. You know, a lot of people think they're getting by with sin. Nobody saw me. Nobody knows. This is secret. Be sure your sin will find you out. The Bible is very clear about that. And so your sin not only affects you, but it affects everyone around you. Achan, in the midst of this siege, he sees this goodly Babylonian garment. That's what the Bible calls it, a goodly Babylonian garment. Now, from my studies, I've seen that these garments that they're talking about are very, very expensive. 
Apparently, one of those could keep you up all year off the money you could make off of one of these Babylonian garments. I, I don't know. But uh, it was so tempting to him, so enticing to him, he had to have it. It drew him. He coveted it. He lusted after it. He took it thinking no one knew. And by all intents and purposes, nobody knew but God. He forgot about that part. He sinned, thought he got by with it by hiding it in the sand beneath his tent. And like I said, by all indications, nobody else saw him except for God knew. And what happened? The dominoes started falling. Because of one man's sin, everyone else had to suffer. And you may think that the actions of one person couldn't possibly do that much damage. Surely, I mean, just, you know, one person sins. How, how much damage could that really do? I mean, come on. Romans 5 and 12. Wherefore, as by one man, sin entered into the world, and death by sin. And so death passed upon all men because of one man's sin. One man's sin. For all, for that all have sinned. So one man's sin, all men and women are cursed with sin and death. Ever since that first sin. One man. And we have to deal with deaths and families, cancer treatments, surgeries, sickness. All these things that we deal with because one man, sin affected everyone. Well, thanks be to God that there was another man, one man. Through his righteousness, our sins can be forgiven. Romans 5 and 15. But not as the offense, so also is the free gift. For it, if through the offense of one many be dead, much more the grace of God and the gift by grace, which is by one man, Jesus Christ, has abounded unto many. I'm so thankful for that. One man can destroy a whole world, but one man can save the whole world. So your sin not only affects you, it affects everyone around you, including those you love. Because of Achan's sin, all of Israel suffered, but so did his entire family. Look at it. Joshua 7, 24 through 26. And Joshua and all of Israel with him took Achan, the son of Zerah, and the silver and the garment and the wedge of gold and his sons and his daughters and his oxen and his asses and his sheep and his tent and all that he had. And they brought them unto the valley of Achor. And Joshua said, Why hast thou troubled us? The Lord shall trouble thee this day. And all of Israel stoned him with stones and burned them with fire after they had stoned them with stones. And they raised over him a great heap of stones unto this day. So the Lord turned from the fierceness of his anger. Wherefore, the name of that place was called the Valley of Achor unto this day. Do you see that? Joshua, his daughters, his sons, all of his belongings, everything that he had in this world, God destroyed because of his sin. Because of the sin of one man, many people had to pay with their lives. That phrase right there, the valley of Achor, that means the valley of trouble. Achor means trouble. 
Joshua said, why did you bring us this trouble? The Bible says it's called that unto this day. I wonder how many people have caused suffering because of their own personal sin. How many people, their families, are spending time in the valley of Achor because of some sin they committed? I know it's not just a few. Those sinful addictions, and we can name them all off, drinking, taking drugs, gambling, pornography. How many families have suffered because of these sins? How many children have lost their families and their moms and dads and had to suffer? How many people have lost jobs and homes and, and all their belongings and uh, those that that's face divorces and physical abuse and mental abuse because of the sins of one person? In this wicked world we live in today, people are no longer held accountable for their sin. We want to call them diseases and preferences and, you know, rights, <laughs> all these things. Nobody's taking responsibility for their sin anymore. It was somebody did this to me one time or my parents said this to me. It caused me to become this way. Nobody wants to take responsibility. The truth is there are all sins and each sin, even though you can be forgiven from the Lord, your sin still has consequences. It still has consequences. That man who kills someone, he can be forgiven by the Lord. That man who, who does awful, despicable, wicked things, he can be forgiven by the Lord, but he's still going to have to spend his time in jail. It doesn't exclude you from the consequences. So what can we do? That's what we need to know. What can we do? We know how bad it is, Brother Byron. I mean, it's bad. It's really bad. But what can we do? Well, Proverbs 28 and 13 says, He that covereth his sin shall not prosper, but whoso confesseth, and forsaketh them shall have mercy. What, that, what was that? Confesseth and forsaketh. In other words, come to the Lord in humility and confess your sins and say, Lord, I want to confess to these sins. And the Bible says forsake them. It don't say keep going and doing them again. You know, a lot of people has got this sin that so easily besets them. They go and they plead, plead the Lord Jesus to forgive them. He forgives them. And what do they do? The whole time they're thinking in the back of their mind, when's the next time I'm going to do the same sin? Psalm 32 and 5, King David, he said, I acknowledge my sin unto thee, and mine iniquity have I not hid. I said, I will confess my transgressions unto the Lord, and thou forgavest the iniquity of my sin, Selah. Isn't that wonderful? To know that we have such a loving and forgiving and, and, and gracious God. 1 John 1.19 says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Completely wipe your slate clean. 1 John 2, 1 and 2. My little children, these things write unto you that you sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. And he is the propitiation for our sins. And not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. What a wonderful Savior we have. One who's willing to come and sacrifice himself on the cross of Calvary so that you and I, even how awful and dreadful and sinful that we are, we can seek forgiveness from him. And the Bible says he's faithful and he's just to forgive us of our sins 
and all unrighteousness. I'm thankful for that. Back in 1972, Elm Street Baptist Church, just a little six-year-old boy sitting on the church pew, almost to the back of the pew, uh, back of the church there. Nobody else paying attention. I'm sitting there and the preacher starts talking about Jesus. He preached the gospel. Adriel Hall, A.G. Hall, he was my great uh, uncle. And he was preaching that message there to the Bible school class in Elm Street in that day. Had hundreds of kids. I mean, we were packed. And there I sat back there in the midst of all those little kids. And I heard the gospel with my little heart. Started going boom, boom, boom. And I thought, I'm going to die sitting here. I am literally going to die. I had to force my way out of that pew where all those little boys were sitting around me. And I ran down to that altar and I gave my heart to the Lord Jesus and I prayed and I asked Him to save me that night there at Elm Street Baptist Church. The church closed now. The building was given to, I believe, Green's Chapel. But I could still drive by that church and remember sitting there on that pew, hearing the gospel, praying to the Lord Jesus to forgive my sins and to come into my heart and save me. And I have been saved ever since. Have I always been perfect and good and never strayed? Oh no, friends. I've not always been that way. But when I have sinned, when I've fallen, when I've gotten out of His fellowship, I've always been able to come back. The Lord's got His arms out and says, Come unto me. Oh, you that are labored, heavy laden, I will give you rest. Oh, we have a loving and gracious Heavenly Father, the Lord Jesus that He sent here to die for our sins. I'm so thankful tonight. Now listen, I could stand here all night long and talk about Jesus and all the wonderful things of Him, but I want us to remember tonight this, this message that God has for us. There are consequences for our sins. We have to remember that. We, we want to always be under God's protection. We want to be in His fellowship. Uh, we don't want our sins to affect our family and friends and those that are around us. And, and my friends, we need to always remember that we do have a loving and gracious and forgiving Father. And all we have to do is go. And through the Lord Jesus Christ, our sins can be forgiven. Let's all stand tonight. If you want to come get a song, brother. I don't know what, what your needs are tonight. Maybe you need to come to the altar and pray. Uh, I don't know. Maybe you just want to pray right there in your pew. But I would like to pray with you at this time. If you do need to come to the altar, I'm, I'm sure this altar is open. Uh, so uh, let's pray together. Our Heavenly Father, God, we come to you tonight. Lord, we thank you so much for the message. Lord, I, I just pray tonight that we all understand the consequences of our sin. Lord, we know you hate it. Lord, we know that you can't... Our unrighteousness, God, just does not mesh with you. Lord, but we're so thankful that you are loving and forgiving and, and gracious and will forgive us when we confess our sins to you. God, I'm praying for each individual in this house tonight. God, those that may hear this message later. God, if there's one with a need tonight, God, would you meet that need? Lord, through the power of the Holy Spirit, God, we know that you can convict hearts. And Lord, show us the way and what we need. Oh God, may we tell the world about Jesus. Help us with it, Father. For it's these things we ask in the name of Jesus. 
And amen. Amen. Jesus is calling, calling for you and for me. Beyond the portals, he's waiting and watching, watching for you and for me.
drehen. Till the storm passes by. <laughs> yeah. Some people go, why should I worry? Give God all the glory. Yeah. Well, I like that piano, I'll tell you that. <laughs> it needs to be tuned. Yeah, yeah but it, it feels good. Thank you, sir, for the message. Good to see you. Eventually. Uh -huh. Get the tire over there. 